Welcome to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and challenged today as you listen to a message from one of our speakers. Prepare your heart and get ready to receive a word from God today. For the talk, we're going to be in the book of Philippians. The book of Philippians. It's kind of a smaller book in the New Testament. And if you're curious about the Bible, never read much of the Bible, this little book, Philippians, it's a good, understandable book. And have you ever read some of the the books in the Bibles and you go, I don't get it. I mean, I understand it all because I'm a pastor, but I, no, like the the book of Philippians is one of those books that I love because I'm like, oh, wait, I think I get it. So anyway. That's where we'll be. To get us started, I got a phone call. Not super unusual phone call, but I got a phone call from someone recently. Some of you might not know. I've been doing this ministry thing for a while, and my bachelor's degree is in psychology, and so maybe this is why some people would call me with this question. They basically said, I need some advice. In the last 48 hours, I've been in contact with two different people struggling with suicidal thoughts. What do I do? That was the question. And I would submit to you, I don't know where you connect with that, but most of us can connect with this somehow, either because you have a friend, you know, a family member who struggles with emotional things, or you're the friend who struggles with emotional things. But what I'm going to say is, this is on the increase, I think, culturally. Can you give me that much? It's a thing. Some statistics. Suicide rates in the United States have climbed 33% in the last 20 years. Among ages 10 to 24, they've increased 60% since 2007. That's a big deal. Anti-anxiety prescriptions have increased 34% just in the last two years. My quick general initial point is this. I think we can get there together. Generally, emotionally, we're not doing great. Can we, you know, just, you know, maybe you're doing phenomenal, but, but general populate, generally we're not doing great. I think a lot of us are not immune to this. The other day, the evening, uh, we have a little hot tub at our house, and um, my wife and I were out there. It's been a great time of year to have a hot tub, you know. She went out there, and we were just sitting there, and my wife said, what are you thinking about? And I said, I'm just sad. And I'm in a hot tub with a hot babe, <laughs> and I'm still, like, sad. I was getting ready to make my move, and I'm, I don't know, I'm just just kidding. No, not really. I mean, I was, okay. But is, does that make sense? Like, why in the world would, would I be sitting there being sad? Now, I'm going to go to a place this morning. Um, I am quite sure we should not be struggling as much as we are. I'm just going to say that. We should not be struggling the way we are. I will tell you this is true. God did not create creation 
and put human beings on this amazing planet in hopes that we would all sit around and be sad, depressed. God didn't go, okay, with, the, with Jesus, hey, let's just create everybody and we'll give them all these capacities. We'll make them in our image and then we'll, then we'll make them struggle emotionally. <laughs> That'll be great, won't it? That's not God. Why are we where we are? Go with me with this. I was thinking back in Bible times, the reality of so many other generations' life. In the day of the Scripture, they had a six-day, so compare this to us, right? They had a six-day work week, no health care. They were under the authoritarian rule of Rome, so they weren't free like we're free. And Starbucks was not going to be created for 2,000 years. They should have been depressed. And yet, when we look at the Scripture, there's some anxiety, there's some sadness, but for the most part, it's nothing like what we see today. It's nothing like it. And the few examples that you can find, it was seasons with recovery. I can think of one example where a lot of his life was that way. But does that make sense? Why are we where we are? Just a side note, this is not, I probably should have said this earlier, our emotional situation is not God's fault. I'm going to push that out there. Don't be blaming God. He didn't screw us up. It's, it's a ton of it is us. Don't discount the devil. We'll talk about that too. This is not God's fault. I thought of the uh, disciples we can know quite a bit about the disciples because especially the apostles through the story of the Bible. They went through a major job change. They, did, they kind of became ministry vagabonds for three years with Jesus. In the end, Jesus basically said, you'll probably die for your faith. But the indications are for the most part, emotionally, they were good. Like, we're good. Let's do this thing. Or Jesus who left heaven to enter the fallen world, to minister to some of the most difficult and, and the, the sickest in our society. His ultimate calling was to be tortured and die. And still, the whole time, he liked people. How did he do that? So the big question, how can we be more like that? Yes, the Bible says that we will see trouble. No, we should not be as troubled as we are. So hold that thought. We're in this series called Resolve, starting the year off right. And uh, I thought of the pain scale thing that you see in hospitals, you know, like where you're at. I want to apply this to our emotional side today, our mental side. And what we're going to try to look at are things that will keep us up toward the minimally, the moderate, or the mild, up and to the left. Will there be days that our needle will slam down to the bottom? Moments? Yes. The, but how do we not live there? And I'm telling you, we should be able to move up with God's help. And so that's kind of the goal for the day. We're looking at this Philippians 4 verse. And it goes like this. God's talking to us. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. 
rejoice. I wonder why he repeated that. I don't know. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. A couple more verses. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And then it closes in verse 9. It says, and the God of peace will be with you. Title of the talk is Resolve, the Quest for Emotional Health. And we're going to try to move. No, we're not just going to try to move our little needle up the pain scale to a little happier place. We're going to talk about principles can, that can move us up there and keep us up there. These are things not just for us. If we're going to be helpful to the people around us, we need to know these things as well. So let's pause and pray. I pray especially for those folks, maybe today their needle's way low. So we ask for the Holy Spirit's activity among us. But I pray, God, that this really, really, really might be a, a day, a talk, where you would speak to us in such a way that our tomorrows will be significantly different emotionally if we're struggling. And will you make us men and women who can bring tools to this world that will be helpful as it seems to be sliding in the wrong direction. In Jesus' name, amen. I've got two keys to better emotional health. The first one, if you'd like to write it down, is this. It's eager, intentional pursuit of God. That's what we're going to see in the text. Eager, intentional pursuit of God. The value of connecting with God. You may have recognized it in the text. said, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation. Now just let that sink in. In every situation. By prayer and petition with thanksgiving, get with God. So here's a question come up on the screen. Like, So according to the scripture, when should I connect with God? The answer is yes. Well, in the morning, yep. What about, you know, at the break, you know, halfway through the, yep. When you're eating, uh-huh. In the hour and a half Starbucks line, yes. You could, you could pray prayers that would change the world just during the Starbucks line, right? What about at night, uh-huh. When things are going well, yes. Connect with God. Does that make sense? Like the answer should be all the time. This is huge in our emotional state. Here's why. Here's a fill in the blank. The best place to cultivate healthy emotions is the presence of our perfect God. It's the best place. 
I wonder how many times I have struggled with things that they would have been so different if I just would have gone to God. I want to give you an example of how powerful the presence of God is, even if we are in a very, very, very difficult emotional space. In Luke chapter 8, and this story is also in the book of Mark, there's a story of a man who was in probably a more difficult situation than you are. I'm guessing. Ready? Jesus comes across a lake. Here's what happens. It says, when Jesus stepped ashore, he was met by a demon-possessed man from town. So try to imagine this guy's situation. For a long time, this man had not worn clothes or lived in a house, but had lived in the tombs. By the way, um, Mark, the book of Mark, another gospel, tells us that uh, people, for quite some time, their response to his condition was to chain him up. But he would f figure a way to get out of the chains, and then he would go back out and do this. And, what else? Oh, and it says about him that night and day he would cry out and cut himself with stones. So here's a little summary of who this guy is. He's uh, a naked, demonic cutter that lives in the cemetery. I'm going to go on a little bit of a side here. I think I can get back to where I want to be. Can I caution you, as we look at the reality of this guy's life, can I caution us to go too quickly into the sad place of my life is really, really hard? Can we go there? Because it's getting pretty common. Sometimes we quickly, too quickly go from a difficulty to a diagnosis. And some of the things that are getting diagnosed, that's just life. I was going to say, that's just life, baby. Do you know what I mean? So, I don't know, it's really hard for me to get out of bed. No, it's really hard. Yeah, it's called mourning. Like most people in the world. No, there are exceptions. You wackos that bounce up every day. Hey, we do not get you. But can I just like, is this really, or well, it's really hard. It's just hard for me to focus. Yeah, you're a guy. <laughs> or what, does that make sense? And I'm, I'm trying to just help us see that there are times we are going to spaces where, oh gosh, I go, I'm going to say it. Welcome to the world. If someone has told you that life is going to be fun and pink and wonderful all day long, they lied. They lied to you. Okay? Let me give you a Bible verse in 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 3. This helps me. It says, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. Everybody has temptations and challenges. And then it says about God, he will also provide a way out so that here, oh, this is pretty good, so that you can 
Endure it. Everybody say, endure it. Some of you don't want to say it. Yeah, but endure it. Here is a little key. Some of the things that we go through, the will of God is that you endure. You will not endure it alone, but if you will start to endure it, the God of all creation will come next to you and he'll say, we can endure this. And by the way, it's not to make you miserable, it's to make you stronger and so that you know you can endure some things. Disorder? Some of the things that we're calling disorders, I'm glad sometimes I'm an older guy because I grew up in a time where we didn't have as many disorders identified. When I was in middle school, when I was in middle school, I just made up my own disorder here. I'll just tell you what it was when I was in middle school. What was it? I, I came up with it. It was, the, it was TBSD. It was the teenage boy sweat disorder. I had it. We'd be in choir class. The choir director person would say, hey, today we're going to do solos. And I'd be like, oh, crap. <laughs> and that let the sweat flow. And I kid you not, like, they just had to say a certain thing. And I, by the end of class, I'm like, like if, if I didn't wear strategic shirts, like, you, I, like all that. By the way, they actually have a name for something like this now. It's hyperhidrosis. It's the abnormal, it's abnormally excessive sweating that's not necessarily related to heat or ex- exercise. This type of heavy sweating can cause social anxiety. Yeah, baby, I had it. And embarrassment. Uh-huh. But I'm really grateful that I was raised in the 70s because in the 70s, here's the plan for hypohydrosis middle school sweaty dude thing. The plan was put on more deodorant, try to buy shirts that don't show it very much, and go back to class. Now some of you are thinking, oh, that's mean. And I would say that is just life. For many, 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 many of the things that we're facing, get to know God and he'll say, we can get through this. Is that, it's a thing. Okay, little tangent there, tiny tangent. Oh, I could go on about that. The great news of that, though, is God, when we decide to endure, when we decide to run or disengage, or sometimes God says, man, I would have so been with you if, if, if you'd endured that. But instead, we go to other stuff. This is about running back to God. Oh dear, I have lost my place. Back to the guy who was really had difficulty, right? The naked, demonic, tomb-dwelling cemetery guy. He lived in the tombs, cutting himself with stones. Um, it says, when he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell at his feet, shouting at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you, don't torture me. Let's just do a quick emotional assessment of this guy. Come up on the screen. Physically, he's naked. Spiritually, he's demonic. Relationally, this is his interaction with human beings. They just chain him up. Emotionally, he's meeting Jesus, and he's expecting him to torture him. Right? That's what he says. No more torture. And here's the good news. Jesus didn't come to torture him. Jesus came to set him free. And the reality is, in the matter of a couple hour session with Jesus, here's how they describe him later in the story after this encounter with God. Mm-hmm. 
the people went out to see what had happened. They came to Jesus. They found the man from whom the demons had gone out sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed and in his right mind. Wow. That's just, at least like four out of five of his problems were fixed with a two-hour session with Jesus. He's clothed, right? He's not cutting. He's not crying out. He's not naked. He's not crazy anymore. He still doesn't have any friends. But give him a couple weeks and he'll probably have friends. I think the clothes thing will be a really movement in the positive direction. So here's the idea. Write this in. Jesus brought significant transformation in a two-hour session. Significant. And, and for 99% of us that are watching or listening here, 98% of us, our lives are not near as bad as what that guy went through. And Jesus took him that far in two hours. So, to finish up this point, question on the screen. When my day gets difficult, where do I go? The great answer is, go to Jesus. And, I, you know, it's worth thinking, where do I go? Where's the first place I typically go if emotionally things get difficult? The first thing do I do is the first thing I do is go for coffee or try to find a Cinnabon. The first place do I go? Is the first place I go the medicine cabinet? Is the first place I go the liquor cabinet? Is the first place I go the cannabis hut? I don't know if there's a place called the cannabis hut, but probably there is in Michigan somewhere because they're popping up everywhere. Is the first place, hey, this is real, here's real life, is the first place I go when mentally things don't get, is the first place I go is here? Like, I don't know, I guess I need to, I'll just see somebody else's. Is that the first place? Is that the first place we go? And I'm challenging that. Don't do it. Get so our, our reflexes are in life. We go to God. That will change our emotional state. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. He goes on to say, Learn from me, and you'll find rest for your souls. That's what we want. So it has to do with our eager, intentional pursuit of God. One more point out of the text. A key to emotional health. It's an unusually positive focus. An unusually positive focus. I had a bad Wednesday night. We'll get to the text in a minute where we're going to talk about, right, whatever's pure and noble. Think about those things. I had a bad Wednesday night. Um, I think that was blizzard day. Like it was, you know, snowing everywhere. And I had quite a bit to do at the office. So I got home about 6 o'clock. And uh, I was thinking, and so basically when I got home, right, it was the snow everywhere. Uh, one, of my, one of my cats was lost in the blizzard. It's just out there. Fluffy was gone. We found her. Uh, and by the way, she's fluffy. She could, she's like this, it's all hair. She's fine. Um, that when I got home, all of our tax, taxes stuff was strewn all over the table, and I thought, oh, great, that's our to-do list tonight. Basically, from 6 to 7 p.m., I noticed and verbalized, uh, it felt like all the imperfections in my world. That's what I did from, like, 6 to 7. 
Uh, I don't know why, but my wife didn't hang around for it. She was gone. It's like, well, I wonder where she is. And she was downstairs. And so I went down to the downstairs and, and uh, she was uh, sitting in front of the television and a PBS, uh, like nature show, you know, like nature or nature or Nova. And I love those kind of shows. And so it was an image, something like, this isn't the exact image, but, but it was some kind of a, you know, planet special. And the narrator said something like, this is not exactly it, but this was something like this. Here we have the enchanting lush greenery of one of the most colorful and complex ecosystems of the world. And I, I turned to my wife and I started to say, What's the deal with this dude's voice? That's what I was going to say. <laughs> My wife. Here's what she, I, I, I just turned and said, what? And she said, don't. <laughs> and I realized, I really didn't realize it until that moment. What had happened is, is I had started to run emotional lapse in what I would describe as the negative world. I just saw this. I was just stuck there. And I'm going to give a definition of negative world. This is actually worth paying attention to. Negative world is a place the devil invites us to live to murder our emotional life. Ta-da! That, that is more real than many of us know of. Negative world is the place or a place the devil invites us to live to murder our emotional life. That's why in our text, God commands us, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, he goes on to say pure, Lovely, admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy. And here is the command. Side note, some of the things that God talks about through the scriptures, those are not suggestions. Those are commands from a loving God who knows what will work and what does not work. And so he commands us whatever is, right? Whatever is noble, true, right, lovely, admirable, anything excellent or praiseworthy. The command is think about such things. That's the command. Our obedience to that command will change our emotional life. I also would just interject because sometimes our mind might go there, but you don't understand. I don't have anything in my life that's noble or right or pure or lovely, and I would say you're wrong. For 98% of us, there's something excellent going on in your life. There's something noble. There's something true happening. And discipline. Oh, wait, here's the good news, you guys. Your mind is your mind. You get to pick and choose what you focus on. Fill in the blank. Our emotional health is connected to our mind control. Gosh, I would love to tell you that, that, you know, some 
sweet, emotional fairy is going to fly into your bedroom sometime and pling you on the head and say, from now on, you're going to be happy. But I have not, it, it ain't going to happen. Some of this is just on you, and it's on me to begin to obey and to discipline. This will be new for a lot of us. It's hard for me, but it, 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 it's us deciding, wait, where is my mind running and understanding God says, no, 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 whatever is true, whatever is right, whatever is lovely. Think about those things. Matthew 6.22 says, the eye is the lamp of the body. By the way, our eyes are one of the things that we use to focus on certain things. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. There's God's will for our life. Goes on to say, if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole, here's sad, your whole body will be full of darkness. And the good news is, so much of this is up to us. Last illustration. If you went to a physician, because you weren't feeling well, and he began to poke around and say, so what, tell me about your diet. What are you eating? And uh, so what do you have for breakfast? And you said, chips. And so, and then, well, okay, so like lunch, but what do you have for lunch? Chips. Do you, do you ever have snacks or anything? Yeah, chips. Whew, well, what about supper? What do you have for supper? Bacon. <laughs> it's not going to take a rocket science to figure out, oh, I know why you don't feel good. Because your diet is chips and bacon. That's like, but I just can't figure out why. I, what? It doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure that out. Let's apply this to our emotional life. So what are, you, what are you taking in emotionally? What are you taking in with your, some people call them your eye gates? What gate do you open? What are you taking in? Is your junk? What about, you know, in the, in the morning? Oh, uh, it's junk. I start with junk. Well, but then, like, after, yeah, junk. You know, and boy, you know, like you can go to the whole this thing again. So what do you? Oh, yeah, this and junk and or then what? Then what do you watch? Like at night, do you sit down? Do you watch anything and tell? Yeah, junk. Is it any wonder that our minds are unhealthy? I don't want to bring this into a sad, sad moment, because the good news is, it's your, it's your news feed. It's, they're your eyes. Most of your life is dictated by it's by me. So to finish this up, what do I need to prune or prioritize to protect my emotional life? If we will dig into that, what do I need to prune? What are things 
that it's just time to go, I do, I'm not doing that. I'm not watching that. I'm not reading that. I'm not listening to that. Well, it doesn't affect me. You're lying to yourself. If your eyes are good, that'll affect your whole life. If your eyes are bad, it'll affect your whole life. What do I need to prune? What do I need to prioritize? Take in some good stuff. Back to the first point, connect with God. And it implies our responsibility to protect our emotional life. Why don't you stand? We're going to go into a time of prayer. Thanks for listening to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We pray you were impacted by this message. God bless and see you next time.